from today. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called a twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other of the disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out, they got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, I'm sure that went over well, by the way, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord! When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place and fish laid out on it in bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and he hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. And none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They, they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for preserving this account for our good, that we can learn about ourselves, we can learn about you, Jesus, that you would reveal yourself to us through this. Thank you that you revealed your disciple to your, yourself to your disciples and that you intend to reveal yourself to us today. Would you do that? By your Holy Spirit, would you reveal who you are? Would you reveal who we are in you? And Lord, would you help us grow in confidence and faith in knowing you? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I like that. Who was that? That was wonderful. I just want to commend that. Whoever said that, amen? Is that a little kid said amen? Who was that? Come on, let's cheer him on. Great job, by the way. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. We love it. Kids, I'm glad you're here. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being a part. Thanks for participating. And by the way, kids, if you have a place where you feel like saying amen in the middle of the message, go ahead and shout it out. Maybe it'll encourage your parents, too. So um, <laughs> thanks for doing that. Uh, that is wonderful. Um, this past year, it's been a little disjointing. This past, I don't know, maybe a little more than a year, right? It's been a little disjointing. At times, it's hard to figure out what you should be doing. You ever feel that way? You ever feel like, I, I don't know what I should be doing right now? And so you just do what you know, um, and, and, and you just go through the motions. You just do, do hey, I, I'm not sure exactly, I, don't, I feel disjointed, I feel out of place, I don't know what I should be doing, so I'm just going to do what I know to do. You ever, you ever feel like that this past year, just, just kind of doing the things, what you know how to do, and you're not sure, is this exactly what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this what I'm, how I'm supposed to be doing it? Maybe some of you are feeling fruitless in this time. Maybe you've been feeling fruitless, like, like nothing is being accomplished, <laughs> 
I don't know about you, but at times I'm like, you know, what is, what's happening? You know, sometimes you're doing hard work and you feel like you're getting nowhere. You ever feel that way? Excellent. Okay, thanks. Well, honesty in the room. You feel like you've been working hard all night. There's not much to show for it. You're not exactly sure what the point of it all is. Well, this passage, it, it's meant to help us with all those who are disciples in Jesus. Have, help us understand our part and then also help us see and know Jesus and understand that it's through him that we experience fullness. It's through him that we experience fruitfulness. And, and it's meant to encourage you in the midst of your labors, in the midst of just doing what you know how to do, see this revelation of Jesus and know that in him is, is where we find fullness. In him is where we find our satisfaction, our delight, our enjoyment. It's not so much about what we feel we're accomplishing, but what, what he accomplishes in us and through us. So I need, I need a passage like this this morning, and I think all of us need to hear a passage like this as well. But John, he never throws words away in the Gospel of John. It is a very small Gospel, really. It's very short. You can read it in, in one setting in about an hour, an hour and a half or so. And, and John is, is very purposeful with each of his words. And did you notice the words, there were two words he used at the very beginning in chapter one and verse one, and then he repeats the same word in verse 14. Look down your Bibles and see if you can find that there, a little word hunt. He says a word twice in verse 1, and he says another word in, in verse 14. Anybody want to see what that word is? Revealed. And so this isn't just an account about, hey, Jesus showed up on the, on the shore, and he fed his disciples fish, and isn't that really cool? No, this is Jesus revealing himself. And John wants us to see that something of the character, the nature, the person of Jesus is being revealed. This isn't just as an account. This is, this is John saying, hey, I'm, I'm looking back years earlier, and what happened? Oh, I see that what Jesus was really doing, he's revealing himself. And this is another time. We, we needed to see Jesus be revealed, and this was after they had gone through this, this dark night of the soul just a couple weeks prior. They had, they had been fearful. They had been timid. They had not been faithful. They had been faithless in a sense, and they were, they were locked in a room, and, and Jesus revealed himself to them, and he revealed that he is the one who gives them peace. We've seen that already. And then we saw that a week later, Thomas, he was doubting. And, and how, you know what, even an apostle doubted. But in the midst of doubts, Jesus revealed himself. That, that, they, could, that they could trust in him, that he was, he was real, he was truthful. They could believe in him. They could have confidence in him. Jesus revealed that to them. And now that, that they believed, they needed to see the revelation of Jesus so they could know what they believed was sure. So they could know whom they believed. And that's what we see in John here. He says, he's, Jesus revealed himself, and then he revealed himself again. And then, oh, this is the third time Jesus revealed himself. So John wants us to see that Jesus is revealing something about him. This isn't just a neat story that you tell. Oh, isn't that cool? Jesus was on the shore. He met them. He fed them. Well, yes, it is cool. If you're disciples, it'd be pretty astounding. But, but John is showing something about the, the nature of what it means to be a disciple and follow him. And at times, at times when we are following him, we will feel fruitless. We will feel like we are not producing much. These disciples in the story, they, they move from this place of fruitlessness to a place of, of fullness and fellowship with him. And that's what we see in, in this account, really, is, is, is that at the beginning they see that their efforts are fruitless because, you know what, sometimes our efforts are fruitless or they seem fruitless right 
Your efforts ever seem fruitless? You ever, you ever identify with that? You've been working hard all night. You've been working diligently, trying to just do what you know how to do. Now, now I, I don't agree with people who say these disciples are talking about being disobedient here. I, I don't think so. Why? Because they're in Galilee. And, and Matthew tells us that, that Jesus, he told the ladies at the tomb, he says, go and tell my disciples to, to meet me in Galilee and wait for me there. And I think they were doing that. They were, they were being obedient. They were doing what they know to do. In, in the midst of this, obeying Jesus, they're like, I'm not sure what we do. So they were going to at least try to fill their time with something productive, and that's good. I don't think they were lacking faith. They were waiting for Jesus. They were doing what they knew how to do. They're waiting in Galilee together, these, these seven men. And, and I love that little note, by the way, did you catch that right after the story about Thomas, that the first person mentioned after Peter, who's kind of the leader of the apostles, the first person mentioned, look down your Bible, says Thomas. Because I think John wants to draw attention to you know what? Thomas is no longer doubting. He's believing. He's no longer removed himself from fellowship with the disciples. He is, he's with them, and they're together. And these seven disciples, and I, I would gather that most of them are fishermen. They're all up here except for the two unknown ones. By the way, wouldn't you love to have been those two unknown ones that John's like, oh, and there are two others. And, and maybe like Andrew and Bartholomew are like, hey, like what's up with that? But, but these seven disciples, including the two unknown ones, the unnamed ones, they're there. They are waiting for Jesus. And I, I, I don't think that the other ones aren't waiting. It's just most likely these guys were all kind of buds and they were fishermen. And we know that James and John, they, they had a, a business together previously with, with Peter and Andrew. Um, we, we know that from the beginning because when, when they were initially called, they were out on boats fishing and Jesus called them and he did a miracle that was similar to this when he called them and he said, hey, by the way, I want you to cast your nets. Go out in the deep water and cast your nets, Peter. And Peter's like, no, we've been fishing all night, Lord, but because you ask, we'll do that. And then there was such a huge gathering of fish that it broke the nets. They called Peter and John over, and they came in. And then, and then Jesus says, from now on, you're going to catch men, not fish. That was the beginning of Jesus' ministry. It's probably about three years earlier than that. So don't blame the disciples for forgetting. I can barely remember what I ate yesterday, much less what happened three years ago in detail. So many miracles had happened, so they don't Im- immediately remember that. So Peter, he says, I'm, I'm going fishing. So they all, I, I like, I, I, it's just really simple language, and you can, this is an eyewitness. Peter's like, I'm going fishing. Tired of waiting. I know what to do. I'm just going to do what I know how to do. And all the disciples are like, we'll, we'll go with you. And so they go out at night, and they have this nighttime fishing trip out on the Sea of Galilee. And they're fishing at night because they know that that's when fish are most plentiful on the Sea of Galilee, and they're going to catch these, these fish. And, and so look down your Bibles, and verse 3 says they went out, they got into the boat. But here's the thing. They didn't catch anything. They caught nothing. Can you imagine seven guys, probably most of them casting nets on all sides of the boat, they're slinging out these weighted nets, and they're working all night long. And, and, and by the way, these are seasoned fishermen who've been doing this all their life, probably since they were boys, young boys, following in their father's footsteps, taking on the family business. And so they knew what they were doing. They knew how to do this, right? They, you know, they, they probably said, we got this, right? We know how to fish. If there's anything we do know, it's how to fish. And so they were doing what they knew, and they were, they were throwing these nets out all night. And so they threw out these weighted nets, and they would draw them in against the chest, and they'd throw them out again. And I can just imagine they smelled they smelled like stinky water and fish and in and, and like the ocean, the sea, the, this, this lake of Galilee. And, and they were tired and they'd been working all night. And at the end of the night, they caught nothing. 
I remember there was a, a hard lesson that I learned that Julie and I both learned early on when we started doing ministry at a college at George Mason University where, where we both went back in the 90s. Um, and I wasn't a pastor at the time, wasn't looking to be a pastor, wasn't trying to be one. But I was convinced of something. I was convinced of two things, really. That, that college students, they, they needed to be in church. If they were proclaiming faith in Jesus, saying they believed in Jesus, yet they weren't in church, that, that, was, that was an unknown thing in the Bible. You see, you don't have, you don't have solitary Christians alone. And if, if they are solo Christians, um, they're not going to be healthy. And so we were convinced that not only... Do Christians need the church, but they, they need fellowship, and they need to be in fellowship, and, and, and then unbelievers there, they needed to know Jesus, and so we, we just started ministering to college students as an outreach from our church, and we were working hard, we were doing all kinds of things, we had all kinds of great ideas, we had read all these different books about like servant evangelism, and two question tests, and all these other things, we had all these tools and techniques, we tried them all, and I mean tried them all, I mean we tried them all, and we did everything. And they really bore almost no fruit. And we were working hard, and we would, we, would, we would order like 20 pizzas and invite everybody to come, ask any questions about Jesus. A couple people would come, and then they would leave, and it seemed to bear no fruit. We had these, these like music things, and so we'd have the band come and play music, and then we'd share the gospel, and it seemed to nobody responded. We'd have all kinds of things. We had alpha classes. We had all kinds of things. We'd ask, are you going to heaven? And, what? and, and if you think so, then Why? We hosted outreach on campus and in all kinds of events, everything we knew how to do, and yet our nets came up empty. It seemed that all these, these hard, this hard work, all these techniques of evangelism really were, were not, not being fruitful at all. And I remember just God speaking to us and, and being convicted that we were looking to our own efforts. We were looking to our abilities, our techniques to, to bring people to him. And really, we were doing all the things we knew how to do, but we weren't stopping and saying, God, what do you want us to do? We weren't praying about, God, what would you have us do or not do? We weren't praying every time. Now, we would pray, but it was more perfunctory because we knew we were supposed to. Let's pray before an outreach. But we were really seeking to listen to him, to, to, to follow him, to listen for his voice. The lesson we learned, really, is that we can't bear fruit apart from Jesus. Even in ministering, it's not possible to bear fruit apart from Jesus. You know that's, that's true in your, in your job as well? Do you know that's true, kids, in, in your school? You can't bru- bear fruit apart from Jesus. You can work hard, but you can bear any fruit that remains, that lasts apart from Christ. We, we can't bear fruit apart from Jesus, no matter what we're trying to do in life, un- unless we are relying on him and not just trusting in our own self-efforts. And I think what we see here a little bit is, is the disciples weren't doing anything bad, but I do think they were relying on their own self-efforts. And that's what John is trying to see, is that apart from Jesus, they can't do anything. You know, he, Jesus had told them that, and now we see that they're there on their own, they're waiting for Jesus, but they're just getting busy, and that's good, but they're not necessarily looking to and relying on him. Maybe John drew attention to the fact that it was nighttime, because they were still in the dark about their need for knowing Jesus. Yes, they've been around him, now they believed in him. Yet they, they need to know what they know. You ever you feel like that? You believe something, but now I need to, to know that I know that belief. And they were still a little bit in the dark. And then, and then I love the transition. It says they'd fished all night, they caught nothing, and then just as day was breaking. When did day break? Well, that's when Jesus shows up, right? The day begins to break. Jesus is standing on the shore. 
Now, the disciples, they didn't know it was Jesus. It was probably still too dark for them. They were at least 100 yards off. I can barely see who people are at the back of the room. I can see your faces, but I may or may not recognize you. Jesus was about 100 yards off. They didn't see him. And Jesus calls out. So look down at verse 5. Remember who these guys are. These are seasoned fishermen. They, they probably had fishing for 20 years in their life or so, and they're, um, they know what they're doing. And look how he addresses them. And he, he addresses them in a way that that's a little surprising. He says, children. Now, they don't know who he is. And this random dude on the shore, he says, children, to this bunch of grown men. And if I was that grown man, I would have been like, uh, hey, what do you mean children? But obviously, God has worked in them because Peter doesn't say anything stupid. And that was obviously a sign that he was at least following Jesus. He'd been transformed by him. He's this very strong, burly fisherman being called a child by the stranger on the shore. He does not respond badly. But he says, children, do you have any fish? And they said, no. And then he tells them what to do. Now, again, it's surprising that this group of fishermen, they hear from the stranger on the shore telling them what to do, and they do it. Maybe they, were, maybe they caught an error of the authority in his voice, and they thought, maybe, you know what, we'll try it. Why not? We'll just keep working. We'll keep doing what we went out to do. And what's one more time going to hurt to placate this, this guy on the shore? And so they do. They, they cast their net on the right side of the boat, and it says, looking for six, so they cast it, and now they weren't able to haul it in because the quantity of the fish. Jesus had made their work fruitful. They were fruitless on their own, but Jesus, he made their work fruitful. It wasn't just that, hey, they'd only been casting on the left, and somehow, magically, the right hand always had fish there. No, Jesus called those fish, he brought those fish to them, and then he told them what to do and how to catch them, and they did. And so in Jesus, we see that, that he brings a full quantity. He brings fullness, and I can imagine that John, he probably at that moment thought, oh, wait a minute, this reminds me of a time a few years ago when Jesus called us, and this... I, this could only be the Lord, the one who is the master over all fish, the one who is Lord over all fish, who calls fish to himself, and is able to bring fish. And so John, John says, Peter, it's the Lord. And I love how Peter hears this word. He doesn't see Jesus. He's not that he recognizes him, but he, he believes. He hears that it's the Lord, and he acts on that belief, and he's like, I gotta see him. And I, I love the impetuousness of Peter. He's, he's stripped down probably because it's very hot and it's wet. And so he, he's like, oh, I can't present myself like this with no shirt on to Jesus. You know, he's the Lord. And so he throws his, his shirt on and, and dives in. Most people don't do that when they dive into the water, but Peter did. He wasn't hesitant. And I think what all the disciples learned and what John learned when he's saying that Jesus revealed himself is that in Jesus, we have fruit. In Jesus, we bear fruit and we have fullness. In Jesus, we bear fruit and we have fullness. I think what Jesus is revealing to himself, of himself to the disciples, is that apart from them, him, they can't do anything. But in him, they bear fruit and they have fullness. So Simon, he jumps in, he's joyful, he casts himself into the sea. And by the way, it's the same word that's using for a casting of nets. They threw the nets and Simon just threw himself in. When he saw Jesus, I love the abandon that Simon Peter has when he sees Jesus. He abandons himself to him. He gives himself fully over to him, sees that this is the one I need to be with. The other disciples, <laughs> they might have rolled their eyes a little bit. Who knows? 
I can imagine. It's like, uh, Peter, there he goes again. Disciples came in the boat, and they did the work of dragging this net full of fish. <laughs> they get to the shore. It says, so Simon Peter went aboard. Look in verse 11. Jesus says, hey, bring some of the fish you have. And Simon Peter, he goes back aboard this this boat, and he hauls the net ashore. He's probably a very strong guy if he could do this. Full of large fish, 153 of them. Now, and, and, unless you say, okay, well, I, 153 fish, that's not very many. What, I, I, there's a picture, I think I have a picture of some large fish from the Sea of Galilee. And those are, those are pretty large fish. If, if any fishermen are here, I'd, I'd be happy to have those. Now, a net, I don't know if they were that big or bigger, who knows, but, but those are large fish in the Sea of Galilee. You imagine having 153 of those, that's going to weigh a lot. What's, what's, what's John showing us? He's showing us that Jesus is revealing that he is the one who brings fullness. He is the one who brings abundance. He is the one who enables us to bear fruit. But not apart from him, but in response to him. In response to listening to him. In response to hearing his voice in obedience. Even when we can't see. Even when we don't understand. Even when we aren't sure why he's telling us what to do. That if we listen to his voice, if we obey his voice, if we hear him, that, that he will bring fruitfulness he will bring fullness he's the one who brings fish you know people over the years have tried to figure out what this number 153 means it means that they were fishermen it means that they were fishermen and by the way if you're a fisherman you count your fish and you brag about it that's what it is there's nothing magical about this number there's nothing mystical about this number it's that it really happened and john's like there were 153 of them we counted and it must have amazed them to catch 153 large fish was probably unheard of. I think the picture I showed you earlier was like 20-something is what I could count. It must have been a boat full, more than a boat full of fish. And, and, I, and I love that it's this, this, this imagery of how when Christ is in our midst, he brings in fullness. It says the nets weren't even broken. That, that the, the resources of the church, they're not going to be overstrained in Christ. I like how Carson puts it. He says, this may suggest the gospel net will never break. There's no limit to the number of converts it catches. It's through Jesus that we bear fruit. It's through Jesus that, that people come to him. It's through Jesus that our, fruitful, our, our ministry is fruitful in him. That when we just keep being faithful, trusting in him, listening to him, he will bear fruit. Even when you don't see it coming, our job is to listen, to join him in the work. I remember helping my dad um, when he was building his own house. He had, he had drawn up all the plans himself. He'd done the, the architecture. He had drawn up the plans, made the blueprints, and then um, he'd gotten all the supplies. He had arranged different contractors in areas that he didn't want to do or didn't, um, wasn't confident in. And, and, then, um, and then he invited us to come and help him. And we did. And, and my brother and I, we framed out uh, uh, many different parts of the house, and we only got in an argument once. But, that, you know, that was, that was pretty good. And um, we were helping him, and then afterwards, we got to enjoy the house, and we are like, hey, look at what we did, but really, it was all because of what my dad had done, because he had planned it, because he had organized it, he brought the supplies, and he taught us how to do it, and so yes, we did get to say, look, we built that out, we helped build these, these walls, we, we helped do these things, but really, it was all because of my dad, and that's how it's like with, with God, he, he's the one who enables us, he's, he gives us gifts, he gives us talents, he gives us abilities, and he enables us to work. He brings the supplies. He, he provides for us. And then you know what he does? He invites us into his work. 
and, and, and then he invites us to be satisfied in him. And that's what we see here. It's this picture when the disciples and Jesus, they arrive on the shore, they see, what do they see? Jesus welcoming them. They see Jesus welcoming them, inviting them to be satisfied in fellowship with him. And Jesus reveals to us what he's like in this account. What he reveals is that he invites us to be satisfied in fellowship with him. That's what he reveals. He's, Jesus invites us to be satisfied in fellowship with him. That's the third thing we need to, to, to write down if you're taking notes here, is that Jesus invites us to be satisfied in fellowship with him. They got on land, what did they see? They saw a charcoal fire in place. Jesus was already prepared for them. He was waiting for them. He was inviting them into warm fellowship with them. He wanted them to enjoy warmth after they were probably wet, tired, hungry. And Jesus is a warm fire there for them. He's got fish already laid out. He didn't need what they were catching. He's already provided for them. He's got fish laid out. He's got bread already prepared for them on the fire. I can imagine this, this, this smell of cooking fish and warm bread must have been invigorating to the disciples like oh my goodness all night long we've been working we're hungry and Jesus provides for them he provides just what they need in the midst of their fatigue in the midst of their feeling like they were fruitfulness fruitless in the midst of catching nothing Jesus not only provides for them but he welcomes them and what does he do he invites them to come that's who Jesus is but did you notice something else in verse 10 as they come, as he's welcoming me, as he has this fire of welcome, he's got these fish on the fire and he's got this bread on the fire. Did you notice something else? Look down at verse 10. He says, hey, and by the way, bring some of the fish that you caught. Now you almost laugh when you read that, right? Because the fish that they caught, really? <laughs> they, they caught nothing. And yet he says, just cast the, fish on that, cast the net on that side of the boat and, and they caught it. So yes, they participated. Yes, they caught the fish. But really it was Jesus who was providing the fish and enabling them to catch the fish and keeping the net from being broken. That was all about Jesus. And you, you know what? Jesus doesn't downplay their, their contribution. He doesn't downplay your contribution either. He, he gives you the ability. He says, you know, what, what do you have that you, you haven't received? And yet, he gives you all the abilities that you have. He brings the people to you to share the gospel with. He, he enables your work to be fruitful. And then he says, you know what? I want you to come and celebrate the work that, that I've done in you. I want you to come and celebrate. And, and then he also values the work that you do. You know, they, they, they were, they, all they did was just at the last minute cast out the net. They were obedient to him. And he says, you know what? Come and, and join me in celebrating this work that I'm inviting you to participate in with me. And that's what he says to us too. Come, come and, and join him and, and, and celebrate the work that he invites you to join him in. We heard a couple weeks ago about the fact that, that our, our purpose, our mission the very purpose that Jesus came for is to seek and save the lost. And then he says, just as I've been sent, so I send you. And then he's not sending you to go and be fruitless. He's sending you and saying, I'm going to equip you. I'm going to enable you. But you've got to listen for me. Don't forget that you rely on me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And by the way, when, when you do that, I will bring fruitfulness. I will bring fullness. I will invite you into fellowship with me. Because after all, it's really not about what they can do for him. It's about the fact that he invites them to join him in the work that he has done. And that's the same for us. It's not about what we see, that how many people we share the gospel with or, or the effects of our work. It's about listening to him, about following him, trusting he's going to bring the fruit, and then saying, wait a minute, we get to, in that work, we get to have fellowship with him. We, we get to enjoy 
the fruit of the work that he has brought about. And look at verse 12, it says, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. He's inviting them to eat with him. He's inviting them to fellowship. None of them said, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. They moved from just believing to knowing what they believed. Knowing that they had Jesus with them. And because Jesus was with them, they could be satisfied. They could eat. Jesus wants us to be satisfied with him, to be satisfied in him, to receive his welcome. You might be feeling fruitless. You're doing all this work. Listen for him. He's calling to you. He wants you to come and join him. He wants you to enjoy him. He wants to receive of his fullness. He also wants to invite you to eat of his goodness, to have fellowship with him. And the disciples, they understood that this fishing was a metaphor, really, for evangelism. But they couldn't do it on their own. That they can't, they can't trust in their ability to catch things because all of their abilities were for naught. And yet when they, when they fished in response to him, when they responded to his instruction, they relied on him despite all their best information and everything they'd already done, they were unable to contain the fish. This, this mission we're called to, sometimes it seems like, well, I don't know if we'll ever bear fruit, but you know what? In the end, it's going to result in great harvest for God. And we might not see it, but he's going to bring in fullness through us. We get to participate together in the work that he is doing. We get to be a part of that. And we get to be a part of rejoicing and enjoying the fruit that he brings. We have a purpose and we get to enjoy that purpose with him. And then he, he invites them to share this, this meal, this communion with him. It's an invitation to fellowship. He's not left them alone. He's providing for them. He's welcoming them to his presence. He wants them to know that he is with them. And as they stay close to him, they'll be provided for their work is not going to be in vain. You know, apart from Jesus, our work, whatever it might be, it will be in vain because apart from him, we can do nothing. Do, do you know that? Have you, have you learned that yet? But in him, he brings fullness and invites us into fellowship with him. Because after all, it's not about the work we do for him. It's about what he does in us and through us and it's all for his glory so that we can fellowship with him and receive fullness in him. Maybe this morning we need to see that we can't do anything on our own. Maybe we need to see that, you know what, we, we just need to listen to him, listen for him, trust in him to bring the fullness. And then we need to come to him, eat of him, taste of his goodness, be warmed by his fire, enjoy what he provides for us. We bear fruit through Christ that we get to, we get to participate together in this work that he is doing and then, then he commends us for it. He wants us to join him and, and enjoy what he's done. In the end, it's not about the fruit that, that we bear. We get to celebrate what he's done and then enjoy that. And then we bring our fruits. They, they, they go and they bring the fish. He didn't need it, but he wanted them to, to bring the fruits that he had brought about in them to him. I think this morning, maybe God has for many of us is to be still, to know that he is God. To trust that he'll bring fullness and fruitfulness to spend time in fellowship with him, to enjoy fellowship and communion with him, to come and enjoy being with him. As we close, I want to read an old hymn. I, I forgot to write the name down. This, this guy named Charles Widmeyer. He says, Jesus has a table spread where the saints of God are fed. 
He invites his chosen people, come and dine with his manna he doth feed and supplies our every need. Oh, tis sweet to sup with Jesus all the time. Come and dine, the master calleth. Come and dine. You may feast at Jesus' table all the time. He who fed the multitude turned the water into wine to the hungry calleth now. Come and dine. The disciples came to land, thus obeying Christ's command, for the master called unto them, Come and dine. There they found their heart's desire, bread and fish upon the fire. Thus he satisfies the hungry every time. Soon the lamb, by the way, I think this is a precursor to the fact that we're going to feast with him on that day. And so he says, soon the lamb will take his bride to be ever at his side. All the hosts of heaven will be assembled there. Oh, it will be a glorious sight. All the saints in spotless white and with Jesus they will feast eternally. Let's pray. As we pray, let the band come up and we'll sing. Jesus, thank you for revealing yourself to the disciples and to us. Thank you for revealing that apart from you, we can do nothing, that we're fruitless. But Lord, you bless our work and make us fruitful. And in you, there's fullness. Pray, Jesus, that we would find sweet fellowship and welcome in you and that we would come and enjoy fellowship with you once again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand and sing.